Welcome to Manager Tools. Today's topic, Horseman's Law of Project Management, Part 2. Hi everyone, this is Mike and welcome back to Manager Tools. Today we're going to cover part two of our series on Horseman's Law of Project Management. Before we start though, I just want to remind everybody of our new podcast, Career Tools, that's available in iTunes as well as on the website. If you're using iTunes, the easiest way to add it is just simply go to iTunes and search for Career Tools in the podcast section of iTunes. Otherwise, you can go to the website and go to our RSS feeds and subscribe to it there. Hope to have you join us. All right, here we go with part two on Horseman's Law of Project Management. Okay, so now our next point um, is one. I'll, I'll let you. I'll let you take this one because this is one <laughs> of the ones where, when you first <laughs> laid out Horseman's Laws of Project Management to me, this particular one I had. Some issues with, yeah, and, and the and the law here is that that or the the point here is that Horseman's law doesn't address budget. Yeah, this is like that funny joke about what CEOs say about change. Change is hard. You go first. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, and when when I worried about budget all the time, this was a hard one for to swallow. So why don't, why don't you explain to us why? Yeah, you're so will so willing to to just discard like that which keeps us up at night. Yes, exactly. Okay, but but let's be fair first. When we've talked before about project management, we talk about it all the time. I've reminded you many, many times, and you've agreed with me, that part of the reason you were worried about budget is it's the last time that you think about projects in your corporate career, your executive life, was when you were a PMO of a billion-dollar um, project management office. And at that level, not managing any projects, but essentially being responsible for resource uh, delivery and concentration and a lot and allocation that was your role, right? Right. Yeah. So, so now, now look, I'm not, I'm not saying that that makes me right. I, I know that we're still taking a risk, but, but um, the thing that kept you up at night at the end of your project career, if you will, not that you and I don't work on projects all the time still, was because you were not just a PM, you were a PMO, and you were responsible for all of the P- projects that all of the PMs uh, at your organization worked on. Okay. That said, anyway. We know that many of you who are listening right now can legitimately say you do not have any idea how much projects, you cannot possibly wish them away, that projects are completely about money, I'm always getting killed about budget, you cannot not touch the third reel (laughs) of projects. And we completely respect that accusation, uh, and we're not saying you're wrong, we know you worry about budget. And our defense is fairly simple. Partially, we're trying to address the fact that not all people who are given projects are given budgets, um, frankly. The small projects that many managers learn on, many of whom are listening right now, don't have budgets. They're just a series of tasks. What do you know? But our defense is pretty simple. Money, the budget, is just a proxy used by executives and other people higher in the organization than us to help them manage projects and the future returns. 
And the reason we, they talk about future returns is that's how they manage or lead the organization based on work done now and future returns, because that's a good proxy for the marketplace. Money is finite. There are strict accounting rules that govern it. And so executives feel that they can control it, and they can because it's a thing, while the productivity of labor, how much work you get out of your folks, is, at least figuratively speaking, infinitely elastic. Money is finite, but productivity, if you were good, you could get more out of your folks. And Productivity has proven itself to them and to everybody else in the history of mankind devilishly hard to manage well, let alone account for. So we have basically chosen to reduce our focus on the budget simply because we don't believe that's the strongest lever you can use. And executives using it doesn't mean executives focusing on it and asking you about it doesn't mean that's the thing you should be worried about. So I hope that helps. Uh, one of the reasons why I acquiesced on this point so far back is because in our discussion, we quickly agreed that money's important, but it's important because the primary driver of money is people, right? Yeah. So companies manage projects by budget because it's countable and there it's are countable. rules. Yeah. And other, and, and, and folks and other people are looking at it too. So, We'd like to reduce the chances of mistakes there. But the big number in project budgets is always people. Now, some of us, maybe we think of them that line as resources because those people are contractors or external or temporary right, or something exactly, like that. Yeah. Or consultants. Oh, no, not consultants. But that doesn't change the fact that managing the budget, the, the spending of dollars to achieve objectives, that's what a budget is, right. is largely spent on compensating others for their time and effort. And if we as project managers got better at getting the most out of those quote-unquote resources, we'd probably get better at managing the budget. Yep. Hire less good people as opposed to mediocre ones. The budget goes down, the expenditures go down, and the quality of the project goes up. Now, you will, of course, prove that some labor really can be terribly elastic. The, the best of us, you know, frankly, are always in a pinch. Yeah. If we hire more average folks, when they stumble... There's more cost because we're funding more mediocrity. Yeah. In fact, we don't really make this connection as clearly as we could that, you know, a smaller team of really great people costs less. Yeah. No, we're not saying, we're not saying go out there and, and if they're, they're saying you need a bunch of uh, developers on this, we're not saying getting development managers to be your, to be your developers. We're not suggesting that people who the organization pays more. We're saying of the hundred developers in your organization, choose the five who are really good rather than 10 who are just average. Maybe we need to recommend everybody re read uh, the mythical man month where more people on a project doesn't necessarily help. Yeah. They absolutely ought to read that. That's yeah. if you're in project management, that's required reading, but just think about it this way. I mean, this just always, this is an argument I had with, um, early on in my career with my bosses all the time, which is when it, when it came down to, came to pay raises, is it is a well-known fact that many, on a, say an IT project, the best programmer, the best programmers are 10 times more productive than the worst programmers. Yes. But do you pay the best programmers 10 times more than nope. the worst programmers? 
No. So, so it's actually, there's actually some arbitrage there, right? Yeah. You get, you get to, if, if you focus on hiring great people, you can get 10 times the quality for a fraction, maybe, maybe 20% more cost. Yeah. It's cheap. The best people on projects are cheap, right? Yeah. I, I had to write a book called, it's like the money ball of project management. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I am, um, I simply believe that because executives don't want to think about productivity, we lose the idea to think about good versus average people and the value that we get out of budget by focusing on people is enormous and, and managers just don't do it. Yeah. So look, you, you, you've got, we've got some average people and they're not doing very well. And then our, our second point when it comes to avoiding the, the budget is that overtime is what causes overruns. Time is the issue when it comes to people because they tend to miss deadlines or they tend to take longer to get stuff done. And so overtime is what causes budget overruns where we have problems with, you know, with the actual budget. It is rarely in our experience. It's true sometimes, but not always. It's more rare. It's less, it's less likely that a budget overrun is because of tangible resource, um, lacking tangible resources. It's rarely those things that cause overruns, whether they're limited or they're expensive or they're unplanned for. Those are not the things that cause overruns. Overruns are, uh, budget overruns are caused by essentially lateness on the part of people turning in work. And so if they're late, we have to pay them on Monday for work they should have gotten done on Friday. Look at budget management in a way, simplistically, can be achieved either by increasing the budget, right? Sure. (laughs) Not so much. Or reducing spending, the largest part of which is labor. Getting things done faster reduces the chances that the original budget, based on the original delivery dates, times the simple labor cost per hour will be adhered to. So people disagree with me and I, I respect that, but Horstman's law about money is actually based on people and tasks. Trying to manage a project by focusing on the budget is like pushing a rope. We're focusing on the wrong action, accounting at the wrong time or in the wrong direction, which is after our ability to make changes to it. Exactly. If you if you if you're getting budget overruns and then your budget gets cut and you have the same people, <laughs> it reminds me of that line in Indiana Jones: "We are going to die." <laughs> right? Yeah, it's a lagging indicator, not a leading indicator. Right. Our, our third bullet here is: you know, your your normal budget skills apply well, which is to say, we, we do have a budget. We recognize yeah, that, sure, and we have to manage to meet it. So yes, manage your budget. Absolutely. Right. And we're going to talk about that in a future cast. But don't confuse your budget with your project just because senior people have decided that financials are an effective management proxy. Accounting isn't management any more than parenting is birth control. (laughs) (laughs) Good one. I'm sure I'll get hit for that. Yeah. Okay. What was next? IT software development practices have made project management better. We ought to, we ought to at least acknowledge that. Yeah. Gosh, I mean, when I see some of the stuff, I mean, I, I don't like project managers getting enamored of them. But when I see some of the representations of projects, which are not projects, because these are not pipes, I'm stunned. You get you can get all kinds of insights, right? When you look at some of the 
some of the charts are like, ooh, we got a problem coming up. It's just obvious. We've got a quadruple witching hour coming up this Friday. <laughs> and by the way, why it is that everything happens on Friday sometimes beyond me. But anyway, thank God for the technology community and its contribution to the management of projects everywhere. Compared to 20 years ago, project management is brilliant. It's practically worthy of a Lifetime Achievement Award, what a bunch of different organizations have done in terms of tools contributed to project managers everywhere. And part of that is because IT, information technology, and software development both have become inseparable from projects. It's the way they see the world. It's just a given. If you're an IT, if we're a developer, then we're on projects. It seems pretty pretty simple. I would bet, uh, you'd probably agree, that if someone says to us, I'm a project manager, 80% of the people in the world would assume that that would mean they're coming from the technology world. Oh, yeah, sure. Certainly. So because it's from the technology world, because the technology world lives and breathes projects, they've come up with great tools to make it better. Right. And they are better. Tools and accessibility are better today than they've ever been. I mean, critical paths, resource dependency planning, you know, visual representations of, of, of such tool building libraries, objective planning, all are more prevalent today than they were 10 years ago, thanks to the dispersion of computing power and the use of these tools for complex IT and software development projects. Yeah. We guess the $2 billion chip fabrication facilities today would be $3 billion chip fabs without these breakthroughs. Right. Which would mean less computing power. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. That <laughs> would be project all, right? tools will go, <laughs> go downhill again. Yeah. You know, <laughs> let, let me say this, thinking about this a little bit as we go through this yet again, having this conversation for the hundredth time, you know, maybe what Horseman's Law of Project Management is saying is, hey, we've gone too far too fast in the technology and tools and representation area. And we need to go back to basics. We need to go back to what it was like before when project managers said, okay, where's Bob and what's he working on, right? Before we had all this pretty stuff and representational stuff and forest rather than trees stuff. And so maybe it's not that project management is broken. It just needs a realignment with the core basics. And that with the new tools, if we could convince a lot of project managers to go take a step back from all that stuff and get back to the core of the basics, the who does what by when, let me check on that. If we get everybody solid on that and then we start applying these tools, wow, right? I think that's a good way to describe our approach to this concept now after 20 years of observing people behaving in the milieu of project management. I think you're absolutely right. So along the lines of kind of what's the, the goodness that's happened recently, I mean, reporting is much easier than it used to be. And we, we all take for granted the misery of email, but, but think about project reporting with, without it. We all take for granted that team members whine about reporting, you know, but if you make me do all these reports, I'll never have any time to do any actual work. I mean, I can't, I can't tell you how many times I've heard, heard that, but can we just all agree now to banish to a penal colony the next developer who utters that, that stuff? I mean, yeah. Come on. <laughs> um, and many of you know that we believe that he who does the work is best suited to report on it. We, we've talked about that before. Yeah. The tools available for a developer to update her work on the web, you know, some kind of web-enabled status module or, 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 or system of some sort. Yeah. Something just requires trivial levels of work compared to what it used to be. I mean, we used to write these reports by hand. By I, hand. Inc incredible. So 
good reporting takes less time and the chances are greater than ever that there's going to be a lot of accuracy in them. So to all those who, who've, who've played a role there, thank you. <laughs> yeah. And here, you know, I say thank you geeks everywhere because you've made my life easier. And Mark now officially bows to Mike and Mike nods like a deity blessing his humble, non-technologically savvy subaltern. Reporting is easy. Imagine if it was hard. Imagine how much uh, people on projects would push back. We've made it easy because over the years, project managers have said to the people who developed the software, please make this easier because I'm tired of it. If you think there's ever going to be a project management tool relative to reporting that stops people from saying... (laughs) <laughs> I'll never have any time to do actual work if you make me do all these reports. You're Again, you're smoking crack. That is not going to go away because of a tool. It's going to go away because of how we manage the people on our team. Yeah. Well, unfortunately, these tools have made our life easier in, in some regards, but it's also made it harder. Yes. I mean, the fact is the profusion of an explosion of this kind of logarithmic growth in the number of tools and techniques and approaches and visualization programs, it's got, it's got a dark side. I mean, they're cool. I mean, they make pretty pictures that are, that are the proxies of the proxy of the project, yeah. which doesn't exist anyway, right? We've talked about projects right. being, you know, amalgamations of tasks. They're like taking the average of a bunch of averages. Statisticians will tell you that it isn't kosher. The, the numbers just don't add up right. Yeah. And frankly, the weighting is probably wrong in some cases. Yeah. Here's a hard pill to swallow for many of our listeners. We believe the fundamental reticence of most technical managers to manage people and tasks as therefore a people and deadline manager rather than as abstractions to be modeled is one force driving the profusion of tools rather than managing the people in the work, which require relationships and feedback, which are hard. We have turned away from the people and uh, literally turned away from them. And we've turned toward looking at the whole project, the forest and bowing to the plan and worrying about a missed deadlines impact on the critical path and what that will do to next month's budget rather than going immediately to the person who is responsible for that task that's about to miss a deadline, giving them feedback about the missed deadline, and working with them to come up with a new deadline, followed by updating the project's overall status. The tools are interesting, and they're like a siren calling us away, and we want everybody to get back on people task. One of the reasons that these tools are harder, make life harder, the, the, the life of a project manager harder, is that these tools take time. You know, they're powerful, they're great, and they take a lot of time. So we're not disagreeing with the project management software and tools industry. I mean, they're all correct in saying that their product saves one time and money on any given project, right? They do. You do this stuff, like you said earlier, you can save millions of dollars. Yeah. They say that accurately and fairly, we believe, though, for two reasons. First, it's technically correct that using these tools that are marketed to us all the time do reduce time spent on projects compared to doing everything by hand. Yep. The math of critical paths, the dependencies, the graphs, the timeline printouts, all of those we used to use before in some fashion, but they were done by hand. Yeah. I'm sure you remember back in academics, we did some project management way back then. Yeah. Um, 
and we did pert charts and pert charts mainly. Um, but we did them all by hand. Yeah. And years ago, gigantic projects were managed by huge wall charts, right? That only yeah. they were they were in rooms that only certain people were allowed to get into, or or and and certainly only certain people were allowed to write on them, right? And and certain other people, another echelon, were allowed to override or make changes to them. Yeah. These people were not managing the project. They were simply writing things down. That's all they did was write things down. Yeah. It was pure manual labor and expensive manual labor at that because they were supposed to know how projects worked in addition to knowing how to keep charts and bars updated. So yeah, the latest tools save lots of time and money, but it still takes time to use them. And that time is not generating task completions that lead us to the project getting done anytime sooner. There is time being spent on the project, but not time that completes a task. Yeah, it, it's actually funny to hear managers today say, but Mark, I can't do this. I'm a working manager. The one role that is not a working manager all too often in terms of management behavior today are project managers. They don't want to do the work. They just want to manage. It's, it's kind of funny. Yeah, and another reason that all our tools help us is that they were built for a world where the tool developers know that projects are largely no longer managed by people and tasks and feedback and relationships, but by reports and dependencies and, and husbandry of one's budget. The tools we use are built for the prevalent set of project manager behaviors in the world, and we believe those behaviors are misguided and ineffective and, in a sense, therefore, wrong. Basically, many project management tools do save time in managing the project. They don't save time managing the project itself because they're focused on the management of the project as opposed to the project. And we have found when we put management above results, which is to say work being done, we end up taking our eye off the ball. Right. And you touched on it there, but it leads to a, a really good point, which is reporting isn't the project. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but but to be fair, I mean if you're not, if you're if you're a project manager and you don't see yourself as a working manager, right? You're a manager of the project, that's your work, right? Is reporting. Right. That that's what people mistakenly believe that my job is reporting because that's what I'm getting dinged on all the time. Right. And they're and they're certainly spending a lot of time doing it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we we talk to project managers around the world. It's at least a day, a whole day every week for most larger projects. And that's just reporting. Yeah. And inevitably, those managers start getting pretty good at reporting. And they get better at reporting rather than at managing. And what's more, being clever, quick, or efficient with reporting often causes project managers we know to make decisions based on the reporting rather than on the work of the project. So, we believe that reporting on the project while certainly a necessary task within the organization, is not the project itself. Exactly. And because it takes time, even with all that new software we have, it can become destructive to the project itself. Yeah. And frankly, you could even go further and say, from a political perspective, reporting is bad. It just gives a bunch of senior people a lot of reasons to get involved without really knowing what the heck is going on. Seriously, I mean, if they're not going to do the work and everyone knows they can't do the work anymore, why don't they just stay up in their nice little offices? You're kidding, right? <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah, we're totally kidding there. Just a little bit. Yeah. 
since this is going to be a long cast, we thought we'd throw some levity in there. Yeah. What, what do you think about um, what do you think about estimates? Estimates. I, I tell you what, a lot of these tools, they're it's real easy. You just go in there, create yep. a bunch of tasks, assign resources, cost, etc. Yeah, and they're wrong. They're they're wrong because look, look, people who predict the future. If you get the future right half the time, you're considered a genius, right? I'll never forget re- a number of years ago, American Airlines did a, a, a like a contest, and it was like 1955 or something, and they said predict the commercial air travel 50 years from now. And everybody talked about space travel and teleportation. There were thousands of entries. And the lady that won predicted bigger airplanes going more places. And she actually, I think, drew an airplane, a big, it looked fat compared to the, compared to the, the DC-3s, the DC-5s that were, say, that were flying at the time. A big fat airplane carrying more people going more places faster. And yet somehow predicting the future were all terrible at it. There has been a lot of functionality around estimating and, and forecasting um, built in the last 20 years. Because 20 years ago, if you'd asked most project managers who were leading smaller projects what they needed help on, they would have said, how am I supposed to know how long this stuff is going to take? Other than relying on the old grizzled guy in the corner who has been here 20 years and still brags about assembler code and the world of punch card confetti. <laughs> and he says, oh, oh, that's a three-week project. And we're supposed to just write down that that thing is three weeks. How the heck are we supposed to know how long each of these darn tasks takes? If I get that wrong, how are we going to be able to budget this thing, which I know is what I'm going to get in trouble for because nobody ever taught me budget. Yeah. And project software to the rescue, right? Yeah. Unfortunately, the estimates are built based on external to your firm and division information. Yeah. And or the wizards have built in assumptions that you have no idea about. That's the thing that scares me. That's the thing is the I don't understand all the assumptions in the wizards. Yeah. And if we're allowing software to make decisions about when things have to be done, we need to be pretty careful. Yeah. (laughs) Power like this means that the early estimate is likely to be faster and unfortunately, therefore, more wrong. And those kind of mistakes early in a project multiply into sometimes disastrous consequences. Yeah. And I think you, go, you can go further. They've become estimates have become mechanistic. And, and I, we've already, you, you've already essentially said that when the software makes the decisions, it becomes mechanistic rather than filled with insight, not considering the size of the team changing over the holidays, changes in team makeup. If the project is two years long, who the best and worst are in the team on certain tasks and your relationship with team members, which is, which is a huge lever. My gosh, these are all characteristics of a less useful estimate. And why is it that even though executives tell us, we know it's just an estimate, we ended up getting hammered when we missed the estimate. They say the one thing and then they behave as if they hadn't said it later. Yeah. That's never happened to me. Yeah, right. Sure. Exactly. Yeah. Hey, one more thing. I, I don't, um, we, we spent a lot of time talking background here and I, I, I feel badly about that. It's different for us. I want to say one more thing about the issue of tools. We humbly suggest that if every firm in the world had picked one reporting and tracking platform five years ago, I'm not saying that everybody picked the same one. Everybody picked one of their own choice, whatever it is, and they had not switched in the last five years. And whether they chose a pad of graph paper, an Excel chart, 
or Microsoft Project with Project Server, Project Portfolio Server, enterprise-wide integration, if they had all chosen every organization and then not switch for five years, every one of those organizations would have spent more time working on more project work rather than on figuring out which tools to use and constantly changing them. And here's the key. And we would have had more completed projects on time and on budget. And the point of that is that if the project is not what's important, but rather the tasks are what's important, going back to the forest and the trees, if the project's not what important, then the tools that are used to manage the project are even less important than the project. Stop worrying about tools and worry more about people and about tasks and about deadlines. All right, everyone, that's it for this week. And we'll continue with this series on project management and next week's cast. And a special shout out to those of you joining us in London next week for the Effective Manager Conference and Effective Communications Conference. We look forward to seeing you all there. For those of you who aren't joining us but are in Europe and would like to, uh, please go to the website for more information, www.managertools.com. All right, folks, we'll see you all again next week. So long.